of puberty, yeah. right? When you're, when you're 12, let's say you're, you're, you're 12, you start your period, you're not suddenly a woman. It takes probably five, six, seven, eight years until you're like, okay, I'm, I'm a woman now. I really, I'm in this identity of woman. The child in me is no longer. Agreed, and yeah. then when you become a mother, that's matrescence. And matrescence, as soon as that baby's out, you're not just like, oh, I'm a mother now. Yeah, for sure. No, it takes usually anywhere from 18 months to three or four years until you really kind of grow into that identity you come to came to an acceptance of it yes rather than trying to keep the the past life intact hey guys my name is shayla welcome to the hey shayla podcast i went from full-time travel to full-time new covid mom and now i'm a mom of two and holy Wow, is motherhood and adulting a learning curve? There are so many decisions we need to make and a million ways to do it right. I created this podcast to interview some of my gurus to share their knowledge and empower you on your journey. Let me be your guinea pig and ask the question you think everyone else knows. Here, we're a little hippie. We try to do things as naturally as possible. We're open-minded and we don't take ourselves too seriously. But above all, we support one another and work to find what works. If you're into it, you're our people. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Hey Shayla podcast. Today, I have Shelly Rahim. She is a postpartum chef and caregiver and has been cooking Ayurvedic style cuisine for over 30 years. Shelly spent her entire adult life learning how to cook Southeast Asian food from her Pakistani mother-in-law. Shelly is also passionate about supporting mothers in the emotional and integration of their birth stories and supporting mothers in their 40-day sacred window postpartum. Shelly has attended over 150 births as a doula, spent thousands of hours massaging and belly binding postpartum mothers. You can find her on Instagram at New Mother Caregiving, and she also has a free ebook, The Post-Birth Recovery Meal Plan. You sound like a pregnancy and postpartum angel. I'm so excited to talk to you and learn from you today. So welcome to the podcast, Shelly. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And I first found you, actually my aunt-in-law, I don't know, my husband's aunt sent me a video of you talking about mommy brain. And I was like, who is this woman? This is amazing. This is such good content. So today I kind of want to dive into that, the mommy brain, because after following you, I've learned even more and more. And I'm like, we need to share this because- postpartum moms just think they're going absolutely nuts and the I don't know the stigma around it is also kind of weird and and then get in, in and then moving into matrescence a little bit which I've also learned from you so that's kind of the rundown of today does that sound great oh amazing I can't wait awesome I kind of want to start with you and like you've been doing this you have attended 150 births what got you started in this work um, I started, I actually felt the calling from my body it was really interesting. Um, I, <clears throat> I was really young when I got pregnant unexpectedly at 18 and it, the moment I got pregnant, I, it was like, even though it was not the right time, of course, according to societal standards, right. I'm perfectly fertile, but, uh, I only gone through one year of college, you know, I wasn't settled in my career, of course. Um, but like, as soon as I got pregnant, something switched in my whole entire being. And it was like, oh, I'm going to be a mother. 
And even though I, you know, wasn't opposed to having options for that, I was absolutely like, I'm going to be a mother. Yeah. And, um, and then when it came to birth, you know, I, 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 my mom didn't raise me to be aware of birthing choices or there was no talk of that in my family, but strangely, I was just like, Hmm, maybe I'll have a home birth. What? This is in 1990, just randomly, um, out of the blue, like it just came from my body. And I mean, fast forward nine months, I, I didn't end up having a home birth, but I did end up with a midwife and it really, um, it really just consecrated this calling from my body. Like I need to work with, with this demographic pregnancy birth from, from that age of 19, I, I I felt that calling. Wow. Um, but I had another baby, um, three years later and then I just got swallowed up by motherhood. Yeah. You know, (laughs) yeah. And then kind of going back to school and, and, and I thought I wanted to be a midwife. So I, I wanted, you know, went back to the university, changed my degree to science and I couldn't handle organic chemistry. And then I'm like, okay, forget this. So I just, um, I kind of just followed my heart and, 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 you know, raising kids, kind of trying to figure out school and volunteering in the schools and doing it, just kind of doing things that, that needed to be done environmental activism in the schools you know or whatnot yeah and then when I had my third I was 33 and I've been practicing yoga for about nine years six to nine years and so then I thought well this is the best way to prepare for for birth so I went and did a prenatal yoga teacher training when I was pregnant and and um (laughs) that was hard to find in 2005 yeah Um, but um that was my entry and in, actually into this as a profession was I started teaching prenatal yoga. Then I added on with uh, birthing from within birth classes, which are very, very, very special and very healing. And then I added birth trauma work. So I started really understanding understanding what, um, what birth trauma is and walking through the fire with them, oh, <laughs> meet yeah. them on the other side and able to help them integrate their their story. And then I, um, then I started doing the postpartum work because once I started going to births, I, I was appalled the very first, um, (laughs) the very first hospital birth I went to. And it was, she had labored for, you know, two days. She hadn't eaten for 24 hours. It was two o'clock in the morning and she was starving after she gave birth. And I'm the doula. I didn't bring food. Right train us to bring food and yeah. do the training. Um, and so then I was horrified when her husband had to run out to the gas station in downtown oh. San Diego and bring back a giant pizza and soda. And she devoured it. And of course, the first thing she said was that was the best meal I've ever had. Yeah. yeah. From that point forward, I made a commitment. I said, never again right. on my watch will a mother put that toxic insulting meal into her body after doing the most divine thing totally and when she's so depleted and in need of nourishment yeah I actually just sent your ebook to somebody on Instagram they're like what well how do I prepare for postpartum meals and I was like do I have a resource for you (laughs) and I was like and it's free so here you go this is incredible so that's amazing and what I love about that is that we're on the other side you just shared that you had a 50th birthday. (laughs) And sometimes in our twenties and our thirties, we're like, 
we, what, we don't know what we want to do still and we're confused and we're whatever. And so I love to hear you say that, like you kind of dabbled in it. You did some stuff in your twenties and then in your thirties, you were like, this is it. And you found it and you found that calling and now you're like doing it. So it's, I don't know. It's just nice to hear from, I would imagine like as 20 and 30 year old mothers who are like devoured in motherhood, like, what am I what am I going to do after this? Like, just follow what you're interested in and give it some time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that actually the way you kind of frame that is perfect because we were going to talk about matrescence. Yes. Okay. So matrescence is so you have puberty, yeah. right? When you're, when you're 12, let's say you're, you're, you're 12, you start your period. You're not suddenly a woman. All right. At 12, just because right. you started your period does not signify, oh, I'm a woman. I'm ready Correct. for womanhood. Yeah. It takes probably five, six, seven, eight years until you're like, okay, I'm I'm a woman now. I really I'm in this identity of woman. The child in me is no longer. Agreed. And yeah. then when you become a mother, that's matrescence. It's like we have puberty, we have matrescence. And matrescence, as soon as that baby's out, you're not just like, oh, I'm a mother now. Yeah, for sure. No, it takes usually anywhere from 18 months to three or four years until you really kind of grow into that identity of who you are and who you were is there's a death process. Mm-hmm. You're never going to go back to being a maiden. I am at this point right now, like as, and that was kind of why I want to talk about it because I am for sure hitting that moment because when I had my first daughter, it was cause I like, traveled full-time in my 20s and like was here and there and like no responsibility no not like and then you have this thing that is so dependent on you and you're like well I've got a great partner or maybe you don't or whatever but I did and I was like things are going to be 50 50 because he's wonderful that was a hard wake-up call too because he can't feed the baby his body didn't carry this baby that baby is not comforted the same way that they are with your body and I was like it's a blessing and a curse ha 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 and it felt more of a burden to me because I was like, somebody else just needs to be able to take this baby and like help. And it was, it felt so heavy on me. Plus it was COVID plus it was all these things. And like, you are like, okay, so the village is going to come. <laughs> Where's the village? What's a village? Where's when? So there was all of this and it was the grieving of, I'm like, okay, so maybe when they're two, I can get back to traveling. I can get back to my normal self. I can get, I can go hang out with friends again. I can go do this. Or you go, you do go on a vacation and your kid needs you that night because they're in a new place. And you're like, all I want to do is go hang out with my friends at the bonfire. Like, why do I have to, this is so frustrating. And now I think it's having my second and just like, all right, let's just add another one. And it's, I've come into motherhood where I'm not Shayla with a kid anymore. I'm a mom. I am a mom. And if my child needs me and I don't get to go by the bonfire, that's the priority. And, and people without kids might not understand that. And, and I have, I totally understand that. And that's totally fine with me because I wouldn't have either. And so exactly as you're describing, it took two and a half years to get here, but I'm finally here. And I'm like, enjoying it so much more. And like, it doesn't feel like, how am I going to get through this day? What bedtime seven hours away? What am I going to do for the next? It's like, okay, what can we do? We can go to the park. We can go to this. Ooh, she can, I can give her some mud to play with. And it's just like, 
you're in it. And it's just a mental shift that I didn't even know existed until you started talking about it. And I was like, holy crap, that's exactly what I'm feeling. It's wild. There's an ex- like you come to came to an acceptance of it, yes. Rather than trying to keep the the past life intact of who you are, and make it fit into motherhood, yes. And what this does is it opens up creativity, right? Mm. So for me, what I had to I had a hard time letting go of was um, dancing. Mm. The way that I knew I loved how to dance was, it, my, my way of dancing was like five rhythms, free form, ecstatic dance, <laughs> um, but, but it was my thing, you know? And, and I needed to go dance once a week. And I mean, being a mom, it was like, okay, this is not happening. I get resentful. Like, yes. I missed my desk dance class again. Now it's been three months. Yep. And then it was like, as soon as I accepted, like, okay, you know what? Me and the kids, we're going to get the scarves out. We're going to turn up the EDM music and we're going to ecstatic dance in <laughs> the living room. Yes. And then that was like, what? This was, this is how I do it. Yes. This is the new me. And I loved it. And I'm, yeah. and to seeing the kids have so much joy and all of us just falling in a pile and exhaustion with the music together. And then, you know, it was like, motherhood bliss. Yes, absolutely. And you got to do the thing that you love and then see your kids enjoy that thing. And you all just doing it together. Like I can just imagine that that was motherhood bliss. And that's, that's when you kind of fall into it, the dissonance goes away. Cause you have this dissonance of like, ah, oh. and for me, I was like, I just need to fold the laundry, but I can't. Cause I have this kid. Oh, I just need to go to the dentist, but I can't. Cause, and you do, I don't want to say get resentful of your child, but just of the freedom that you used to have. And then I was like, why can't I unload the dishwasher? Like I need to be able to do these things. And so instead of thinking, okay, during her nap, I can get this, this, and this. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it while she's awake. Like I don't have to specifically sit down and play with her when she's awake. She can see that the household things that need to get done and just coexist while they're getting done. And then we can go play or whatever. And that was liberating for me of just kind of exactly what you're saying. Like I didn't have to get away to go do something. I was like, we can just do it and it can all get done. Then we can all be present here. <laughs> like, I don't know that. Yeah. <sighs> but I, that's I told- the essence of that's the essence of, of mother, right. Is, is together mm-hmm. doing things together, being together, taking care of each other. I love that. You know? Yeah. And yeah. And even just involving her in unloading the dishwasher. Yeah. I was just going to say that or get yeah. her own, like the Montessori thing, right? Yep. Like, you know, okay, you need to do your dishes too, you know? Yep. <laughs> or I'll just pull her um, learning tower up so she can reach the top level and then she hands them to me and I put them away. There and it's great. Go. Then we can both get it done. She learned something. She loves doing it. And yeah, it is creativity. That's really interesting. You do, you do just have to get creative in how you want to do the things all the things. But I feel like some people put that baby gets put on their chest and they are done. That's it. They are mother. They are in it. They, is that true? Or do you feel like there's still a process? Yeah. So you, that's a good point. It, it looks like, I think, um, for some people, um, you know, there's an image, there's an idealization of that first moment after birth when they see their baby. Oh, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm so in love. Yeah. And that oxytocin high and that, Mm. you know, that does happen for some moms. Um, But for some moms, because birth is 
it's like life or death for a lot of moms. And, in, in, you know, this, the way the medical system is set up is, you know, makes it very challenging to, um, you know, really dive into that oxytocin high sometimes. And so um, just because you don't get that immediately, even though maybe you've been wanting that moment or idealizing that moment, um, doesn't mean that maybe you're not cut out to be a mother or it's not natural for you. Because of what I tell moms who don't kind of identify with that moment after birth, where they're just so excited to see their baby. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, and I have had lots of clients who had no interest, like, I just need a nap. I need to eat. I need to go to sleep. I'll see this baby later. You can hold the baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> and actually I validated to them later that that was the greatest act of love that, you know, you could express towards your baby. And hmm. the moment after the baby came out, wasn't going to be, it's well, you weren't going to be able to do that until yeah. you had some nourishment and some, some rest. So I think um, we're wired, you know, we're neurologically and biologically, hormonally, we're wired for mothering. And so, however, our society is, uh, this is what I was going to say when you're talking about matrescence too, is if we value domesticity, somewhere along the line with the feminist movement and all these things, um, being, you know, a homemaker isn't valued. It doesn't make money. And right. it doesn't advance your career. Right. And so we don't feel like it's productive. We don't really value it. So there's really no measurement. If, like you said, the village showed up around you, fed you in bed, massaged you every day, bound your belly, took the baby so you could have a good two, three hour deep sleep nap, so your body could really heal, um, then all those mechanisms that are there to help you fall in love with your baby Hmm. Um, would be fully activated. And I, and if, if we didn't have those mechanisms, the human race would not exist. Totally. We would feel called to, to take care of our baby. Okay. I want to, there's two things we're about to dive into. So from what you're saying, so you started with the feminist thing, 1000%. I rejected being just a mom being like, well, you can do laundry too. I'm not going to unload the dishwasher. Those are half your dish, whatever. Like, and it felt like it trapped me. Like, oh my gosh, I'm getting closer and closer to domestic life. Like I work from home, but I, I'm the home keeper. Like I'm the one that knows that she needs more pants or we need more toilet paper or whatever. And I did not like that. I did not want that identity. I did not want anything to do with it because I'm more than that. And <sighs> God. yes that's and it's and I feel like it that's kind of just I don't know but with this switch I've taken it on and it's honestly made everything easier yeah because I'm like proud that I can keep up with everything and that, and even saying that I'm like oh you're falling into it like it's hard for me even just to say that it's like something that is definitely changing inside of me and just that I I'm coming into that and it's, you're totally right with the feminist thing. Like it's totally gone to the extreme of just, uh, I don't know. And, and I've seen a lot on social media lately of just like, oh, it's the weekend time to like wrangle the kids for the next week, like for the next two days or whatever. And it's, there's all this negativity around motherhood in general that I've been seeing a lot lately of just like, well, you need to get your individuality back. Like you need to, even the self-care thing. Like, I feel like 
once you accept it and you try to do things together, it's not like you need to get away to get a shower or you need to get away to go do this. It's like, okay, let's all take a shower. Or like you're doing it, you're watching a show. I'm going to go take a shower. This isn't like this extreme thing that I need to make happen. But when you feel like you're stuck in this motherhood role, then you're constantly trying to figure out how, how can I get my yoga class in? How can I get my shower in? Oh, I can't even paint my nails. This is so frustrating. And just once you kind of accept it, I don't know, there's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, I think you're definitely right with the, the role of motherhood, not being a trap. (laughs) Yeah, I call it, um, I call it this. And there's also a sociologist I found on Instagram who calls it patriarchal motherhood. Mm. And so I call it, I've always called it patriarchal feminism. Okay. Leads to patriarchal motherhood. Mm. So patriarchal feminism is like, we can prove that we can be like men. Yeah. And we can, well, we can, we can be the CEOs. We can do, we can do everything men can do. Right. And, and more, they can't grow a baby. So, um, but we, in that pursuit to prove our worth that mm-hmm. we're as good as men, we have forsaken all of our nurturing, like domesticity, like the true gifts that we have that the human race could not exist with is nurturing totally and caretaking and that yeah. mother healer energy that we are. Yes. So that was the second segue is we are wired to do this, but in our environment, it doesn't necessarily work. So let's go into the mommy brain because I feel like there's another dissonance where our, our intuition and our, our biological self is trying to do this thing, but we're like, why can't I remember this? Why can't I remember this? Yeah. And it's like, cause you're not supposed to be doing anything except for taking care of your baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so can we dive into the mommy brain a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's so funny because I always didn't feel right when people were like, oh, mommy brain, when they would kind of like women themselves mm-hmm. would insult themselves and other mothers. I always kind of felt a little offended, but I didn't really know why it didn't sit with me. Right. Yeah. I probably used it myself a million times and totally. I just, um, but then finally, when I started working with mothers like in birth was where it started and I'm a doula and I'm in that birth energy with them where they're gone. They're gone into another dimension. Nice. Gone. And I'm like, okay, I got to, sl- and I, when you're really attuned, you can slip into that, into that trance with them. Ooh, cool. It's super cool as a doula. It takes like, probably took me like 50 births to get, to be like, wow, I'm in a birth trance with her. Wow. But I can kind of get there. And especially those long labors, the fast ones, it's harder, but the long ones, I'm with them for like two days. I'm like, oh okay, I'm in a trance with you, girl. Yeah. And, and you could just feel like they're not in their prefrontal cortex. They're Mm. not in the right, because when a OBGYN comes in, hasn't been with her for two days, like I have, you know, and, and just in the middle of a contraction says, oh, okay. Um, so when you're done with this contraction, we're going to (laughs) start Pitocin, you know, or whatever, but they're, they're just talking in their regular normal voice. Mm -hmm. They are not aware that she cannot even hear him. So what does the prefrontal cortex do? So the prefrontal cortex is the, it's like the newer part of the brain, but it's the rational thinking, logical, where we can, where we are right now, where we're having this conversation you can do all your, you know, your taxes here, you know, just kind of, it's kind of where we spend most of our time in our, in our everyday life. Okay. So they Um, are where? So when, 
but that part, so there's actually a process called, uh, so I started researching it, right? I started okay. like, what is going on? Yeah. So I started finding all these articles about neuroscience that have neuroscientists who've actually studied, you know, what's happening. Cool. And so what's happening in the brain for birth, which is so brilliant, it just validates everything that I, I knew from, from embodied experience supporting mm. mothers, is um, there's a synaptic pruning. So think about pruning a, uh, a fruit tree. You know, when they prune a fruit tree, they're cutting off um, branches so they can direct most of the energy towards creating the bigger fruit. Mm, yeah. So that's kind of the idea of pruning a fruit tree. Well, the brain during labor and birth, and then even during the postpartum time, it sort of um, prunes the neural pathways that go to the prefrontal cortex. I mean, you can still use your prefrontal cortex, everything is there, but it intentionally um, moves the, it builds new neural pathways and it kind of puts you into the amygdala. This is a very much more like a primal part of the brain where we learn to caretake, to nurture. It's wired in us. And for birth, I'm not sure like exactly if there's other dimensions that open up, but Right. You know, they go into this deep in place where they're really like listening to their body and really tuned into their baby in ways that there's information there that nobody else has access to. Hmm. And then when they're done with birth, you know, I'm there with them through the birth. Then I go and I meet them at home and I'm cooking for them and I'm massaging them and I'm with them again, sometimes for 10 hours, the whole week, you know, 10 hours a day. And I'm observing, they don't just snap right back into their prefrontal cortex mm. and like, oh, I can just check my email. They can't. Yeah. They don't have that. Like, it's really takes a tremendous amount of energy mm. to do a task like checking an email or, or something like that. Responding really to a text message from your family and everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember just getting tons of messages and I was like, I can't, I can't handle that right now. Yeah. Exactly. You And you're not supposed to. Right. And, and so it takes it away from, it really makes it harder to be in that place where, you know, those connections are forming that are teaching you how to really understand your baby's cry to really like, okay, what does my baby need? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do I get this latch? You know, am I holding the baby right? It takes that real stillness and quiet and focus. Sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's happening and the brain is there. All right, we're gonna talk about probiotics. Love bug probiotics specifically. I took these probiotics all through pregnancy, all postpartum, and now I'm giving them to my toddler as she's more on solids and less on breast milk. During pregnancy, it helps my gut biome. It helps seed the gut biome for my baby. And we know that a healthy gut contributes to a healthy immune system. You can take their prenatal probiotics right along with your prenatal vitamins. And they have a subscription option. So you can just get them delivered to you exactly when you run out. I do not like subscription things, but I love them for my vitamins so that I never have to run out. I have an affiliate code, Hey Shayla, for 15% off. I hope you love them. Let's get back to it. Here, let me give you a perfect example of my client when I was telling her this I said you know she was about a week postpartum and I was explaining to her this whole process of synaptic pruning and she goes oh my god Shelly she goes um 
I was, baby was screaming, 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 and I didn't know what was wrong. And I was tending to the baby's needs. And I think at that time, my husband came in the room and he started, you know, Hey, did you know, I'm going to check the email because blah, 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 blah. But she goes, literally, I could not hear him. I was so focused on the baby, like screaming. I I didn't even hear. It didn't even come into my brain. So afterwards, the baby was settled. I asked my husband, I go, did you come into the room? And he's like, yeah, I asked you, you know, did you get the email, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, "I, I didn't even hear it at all. Whoa. So our brains are so fixated mm-hmm. on you need to keep your baby alive. Yeah. That it's going to protect that, yeah. that important role that you have by shutting out communication that doesn't need to happen. Right. Yeah. It's just going to the primal. What is the focus right now? Yeah. That is wild. That's crazy. I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense because you really, I can't remember words. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff that happens where you just like, can't think, but then what happens? Like, cause this time I felt that I felt a lot more in tune with my baby. I felt like I did understand her cries. Like, Oh, she's hungry. Of course she is like, but with your first, I feel like it's a lot harder. Cause you're just like, I haven't done this before. I don't know what's going on. Plus you kind of are checking some emails or you are trying to like I just feel like the U.S. is not really set up for postpartum at all. And so investing in a postpartum doula, I think is crucial or setting up your own meal train or, and that's kind of, so let's dive into that a little bit because I feel, I don't know, what would you, how, how, how do we do it here? If we don't have access to a postpartum doula, which I feel like would be the first most obvious way because they are doing this. They know what you need. They know what to do. They are, that's their job is caring for you. So what if you don't have a postpartum doula, you can't find one, how can you make this process more enjoyable and easier? And I don't know, what kind of things would you recommend for that? Yeah. Um, so I, this is a big, big, big question. Like we're talking about solving systemic dysfunctional postpartum in our society and so i'll give you a few different answers based on each kind of unique family's situation okay um i'd say the first thing is um the first thing is to get to the root of the problem is really like like you said um in america we have nuclear families situation and then we also have every person in the household is career driven. And so when every person in the household, every maternal elder is, has to work until they're 65 or 70 years old, Mm -hmm. full-time job, who's going to take three months off when the daughter, our daughter-in-law has a baby to take care of her and her household duties. So she can step into the role of mother. That's not possible in our society. Right. Um, and not only that, but the maternal elders perhaps in our society have forgotten mm-hmm. how to do it because it's just been so many generations since it's been practiced here in America. Hmm. So for instance, when my mom, when I had babies, my mom took a week off and she came down and stayed with me, mm-hmm. but she mostly went out and just did shopping and stuff. She didn't really know what to do. Cause she's a career woman. Yeah. 
And so this has been the way it's been. And so um, I feel like one thing that could maybe help the future generations would be to um, teach the maternal elders again, or the extended family, whoever that may be. It could be a mother, a mother-in-law, a sister, an aunt, even a friend, but somebody in the family, somebody who loves this mother, who's willing to take three months or even just 40 days minimum to, to, to do the household, to come and take care of the mother, mm-hmm. needs to learn the practice and learn the art and traditions of postpartum caregiving. And then we need a system in our government very much similar to um, like when a, when an elderly um, man or woman needs to go into a nursing home, um. families families can choose to actually take care of their mother themselves, and the government will pay that nursing home money mm. to the family, right? Yeah. So what we need is the same kind of thing for postpartum. Like, okay, your sister is going to take three months off work, a leave, mm-hmm. to take care of you. Right. So she gets paid you know, her three months, right. And she's going to come and take care of you. Just like the elderly get their money for the nursing home. So that, yeah, go ahead. Well, so I, this time read a book called the first 40 days. Mm-hmm. Is that a, do you have any other resources? Like I, I am at, cause I'm trying to think of who I would even ask to do that or, you know what I mean? It's just so challenging. And so I feel like to potentially say, Hey, this, book is something that I'm interested in if you could it's just hard to ask for help right you're like hey can you take 40 days off to take care of me like it just is the first 40 days is a great book but it wasn't written for the grandmas to read you know it was Mm. written for the postpartum totally yeah so my I am actually in the process of getting close to finishing my whole entire online course okay and it's for mother it's for the whole family yeah. It's not like, oh, here, go take care of yourself, mom. Right. You know, it's it's actually like, here's how you're going to give her her tea every day. You have to have a plan and a tea protocol and you're going to bring it to her in bed. You know, so whomever is going to do it, they right. have the map and yeah. they also understand what's going on in her brain. They understand why. And I'm, I'm releasing all of this on YouTube and it's, I mean, it's going to be accessible to everybody. Oh, nice. Um, And so that's kind of, you know, you're, you're right there, but let's say you don't have any family who could even, who would want to, or who has the capacity. Or a lot of people live away from their family now. Like the nuclear family is really where the energy is and it's, you can transplant anywhere. So yeah, let's say you're at a new spot and you don't have any extended family around and you are kind of on your own. So there's, uh, programs in countries like, um, I think it's Norway like, you know, European countries where they actually have a caregiver who comes in. I think it's only a week, but I'm thinking 40 days. This would be the next best thing is every, every postpartum mom should be assigned a caregiver for 40 days. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that that's the next thing. So it just like, like, like if, if you're familiar with the hospice program, when someone dies, you can get uh, a, a person assigned to you. Oh, to yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like so an in-home nurse, sort of. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. To help the family with through the go through the death process. Yeah. So in America, we clearly value death enough to right. create a program to help families through this difficult time in their life. 
And yet, why don't we have a program for, for to help families through birth? Well, and this is so, yeah, this is a bag of worms, but like, first, the mother needs to get the time off to even be able to accept these services. You know what I mean? That's, so, a, given. That's a given. I'm like, I'm already past that. Like that's right. just a given. We got to give moms three months minimum. Totally. My Year. sister yeah. had a NICU baby. She had her baby at 31 weeks. And because she got no, no leave, nothing. It was all like um, sick leave and vacate. Like that's what she had to take for her mature. So she's like, well, he's in the NICU. I guess I'll go back to work until he comes out of the NICU. So she went back to work for 30 days. And then when he was released, then she took her time off. How horrible is that? Oh no. Like a week postpartum back on the job. Oh, okay. Well, that's there's totally... that whole brain thing, right? Her brain wasn't, I oh mean, my she gosh. Had really adjusted totally. to Yeah. Well, she did fantastic, but it's just so frustrating that it's just not. Yeah. Honored. It's just, yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay. So, but I feel like there's a lot of like, can we dive into your ebook? Cause I haven't really looked at it personally, but is that something that I could take as a, uh, pregnant woman and prepare my meals for postpartum? Yeah. So that's the other thing was that was the bigger picture of like solving society's, you know, problem, yeah. which would be generations from now. But in the immediate, um, even if you don't have any help, mm-hmm. uh, yes, the, my free post birth recovery meal plan will get you through the first couple days um, of nourishment. And then actually, I am launching in November, a freezer plan. Ooh. And so, yeah, so there's five um, there's actually like six, what I call six daily essentials that yeah. I give my mamas every single day and it helps them to heal beautifully and they get all of their nutrients from their direct food source. And in this, I have included five of the six. So it's, I call this the five foundational recipes Love it. and it's all freezable. And so I'm putting it together so that during your pregnancy, you can pack you can make pack freeze it all so every day at least even if you don't have time to cook and eat properly right you can pull those things out of the freezer and you will be able to heat it yourself up the nourishment that you need the baseline yeah and what those five essentials are is um bone broth okay so i ask i have my mom's drink two mugs of bone broth a day Hmm. um brainy bites which are these little snacks like little savory bites like energy bites um, but they're made with liver um, pate. And I know liver sounds gross. Yeah, <laughs> my jaw um, dropped. <laughs> yeah, that I have figured out a way where you can't even tell you're eating liver. What does it there, taste like? It just tastes like, because um, there's so many nuts and seeds and, oh, oats okay. and herbs. It just tastes like a yummy little savory herb ball. Okay. And, but liver is the postpartum superfood. Hmm. And so uh, just four of those a day. And you're going to be getting all of your nutrients that you need to heal, to, to produce high quality breast milk. And then there's um, stewed fruits, which helps to keep the um, bowels regular. Turmeric lactation chai, which is, yum. it's, yeah, it is just so soul satisfying, but it yeah. also helps with the milk production. And then the last one is um, lactation muffins, lots mm. of healthy lactation muffins, but you're just snacking on those night and day. And so I have it all mapped out in a um, freezer plan that you can get it all set for yourself um, before the baby comes along. And 
Can I do that now, even five months postpartum? That sounds amazing. Yes. Yes. And the thing about the freezer plan, like the good thing about it is I'm explaining in the freezer plan, okay, why bone broth? What is it doing for you? What are these brain bites doing for you? So you at least go, okay. And maybe you can't make everything, but you can do the bone broth. And then you're drinking, then you know, okay, if I just drink two mugs of bone broth a day, you're doing something really good for your body. Yeah. So it's, there's kind of like something in it for everyone. And it's yeah. very empowering to, to be able to be proactive and do something for your health. Totally. And I did bone broth postpartum and it, it, it just is like a nice warm hug. Exactly. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Awesome. I love that you have all these resources. This is just like I said, you're a postpartum angel. Like mm-hmm. these are, you are the people that we need not only doing what you do, but sharing all this information. Cause when you're postpartum and you're, if you're breastfeeding, Oh boy, you are hungry and you'll eat whatever's in your cabinets. And it might not be anything because you can't go grow. Like it's a lot to go grocery shopping and it's a lot to do this. And so if you can prepare and have those things ready, I think that that is a game changer. Yeah. It's very, um, it's really empowering to feel like you're ready for that. You're ready for the hunger and the hydration. So if you mm. have the turmeric lactation tea in, in, the, in your freezer, ready to go, you know, or I have a tea protocol you can follow and just get, get that thermos filled up and keep sipping your tea throughout the day and night. You know, you kind of have to have a plan. Yeah. And so when people have a plan of an actual, not just like a, oh, you know, the kind of plans that are out there, but this is like, no, no, no. Like here is your plan. You're going to, you know, boil the CCFT you know, 64 ounces in the morning, you're going to drink, you put it in your thermos, have it by your bedside table, and you're going to drink it throughout the day, refill it at night. Yeah. Hopefully somebody else will do that for you. Right. But if you don't have anybody else, it takes 10 minutes, you can yeah. do that. And then you're set for the day with your hydration, along with your water bottle. Well, and like what you said with the mommy brain, or we, do we say mommy brain? We don't like the <laughs> in, in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, right. With the pruning that's happening. You need, yeah. okay, go get your water. Okay. Put yeah. this tea in there because if you're just like, you just can't think, you just no. can't think you're thinking yeah. about your baby and that's it. You can't th- even think about taking care of yourself. So if you have a guideline of like, do this, then do yeah. this. It's like super mindless. Yeah. Just well, and it's like, if somebody asks you, do you want some tea? You're Ooh, like, yeah, yeah, I need to drink like 64 ounces in a 20 20- for our period, but I can't really tell you that right now because it's just too much for my brain yep. because I'm just trying to figure out the latch, mm-hmm. you know? And so someone trying to help asks, Oh, do you want some tea? No, you just gotta, yes, she needs tea. You just go. But even not, go. even if, yeah, if my sister comes over, she's like, is there anything I could do? I'd be like, actually I do this tea thing every day. Do you mind? There's like a little list that I follow. Yeah. It's by the thing. It's in the book. It's in the caregiving handbook. So easy to do. Yep then of course they'll do it and they know what, yeah. how to do it, how you like it. And you can yeah. get it. How you, yes. That's, oh, it's so that's hard. It's all coming girl. It's all coming in my, in my um, content that I'm releasing. I love Super it. Super easy for people. And I already have like a reel about it on Instagram. So you can go and read about it on Instagram, but it's going to be coming in a very accessible, easy way. Um, the other simple thing that a, a mama can do for herself um, that will help her heal faster is warmth Mm. so take in take a heating pad with you to the hospital Mm. because as soon as the baby goes out the torso is empty like this vacant Ah. empty sloshy 
the organs are just sloshing around. Yeah. The uterus is still like almost the size of a watermelon. It's like all just loosey goosey, weird inside there. And it's very kind of cold energy. Yeah. So, because the baby kept it warm and cozy, mm-hmm. and then it's like kind of cold. Yeah. Is the best way to describe it. So, when you put a heating pad and just keep that heating pad on there, on your belly? On your womb. Yes. Put okay. the heating pad on your womb. Hmm. It's like, ah. Oh, like the nervous system feels safe. Uh, you can just relax after the birth. It just, it just really, transition. It makes the transition easier. And then keep the heating pad going postpartum. Just keep the warmth and keep your body warm. Keep socks on your feet. So very simple self-care practice. Yeah. Um, well, I remember that in the first 40 days is it talked about that and just like warming foods. Like don't eat cold smoothies or whatever. Cold. Yeah. You can avoid cold things warm 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 will help you heal much faster your digestion can assimilate warm foods and drinks Mm. much more readily because when you put cold say you put ice cold water in your body Mm -hmm. your body is already depleted right from birth then it has to work harder because it has to actually bring the water up to body temp before it can even assimilate it oh wow so does that tie into belly binding as well? Because I never, I know nothing about belly binding. Yeah. So belly binding is also keeping the warmth, keeping things stable. So if you, yeah. if you broke your ankle or had knee surgery or any other part of your body, you, they would, they would wrap you up with ACE bandage. They mm-hmm. wouldn't just send you home and your pelvis, when you give birth, it just blasts open. Like your bones have stretched out. The ligaments are all stretched out. Like everything is open yeah and it takes time to close very vulnerable Hmm. those joints and so when we we want to put that belly bind on gently to keep it stable so that you can heal better and prevent diastasis recti yeah that makes total sense after my second birth I walked from the labor room to the like I don't know room where you stay for the next two days and I was just like it feels super weird. I was like, do you have like a belly something? And they did. This was a, this hospital, you, I saw a post about like the meals that you had postpartum. This hospital was incredible. It had really good nourishing foods, good options, warm options. Like, and I had a water birth at the place and I had an honest, like it was, it's an incredible hospital, but, um, they had it. They had the binding for my stomach because I was just like, it's not even an aesthetic thing. Like I don't, I'm not trying to like have a small waist two seconds after delivering. Yeah. It felt, I don't know how to describe it. Empty and stretched. Like that's kind yeah. of it. Like it was just like, my organs were just sort of like, we don't know where to go and they yeah. pulling and it was weird. I didn't experience that the first time that I remember, but I just was like, and they were like, yeah, sure. And they gave me one. And I was like, this is amazing. That's but I didn't know what the purpose was. Yeah, you have to ask. Sometimes you have to ask for it. So be mm-hmm. sure to ask for a belly binder. They, they'll all, sometimes give it to moms with cesareans, but a lot of times they don't. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be releasing all the information on belly binding soon too. <laughs> you know, come on, get all the information I'm, out at once. I'm coming, mamas. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, the other thing I would say that you can try to do for yourself mm-hmm. is it is purposeful rest. And um, unfortunately, like the discharge instructions, when they send a mom home, they don't tell you go home and rest. They go to tell you to go home and 
walk around and keep active and keep moving. And, and I think that actually does a lot of damage Mm. because moms are not resting enough. Yeah. So, I mean, it is cliche to say sleep when the baby sleeps and it's really hard to do that because there's too many other things that need to be done when we don't have enough help. Right. But if that first week, um, if you can somehow prioritize getting those naps and deep stretches whenever you possibly can, yeah, it will really accelerate your healing process. That's yeah. I think that's great advice. And it is so hard to follow, especially if you have other, it's not just your first baby, you've got toddlers and everything, but I really made an effort to do that this time. And I agree with you. Like it made all the difference. I was able to, I just felt more energetic. I mean, like a week later, two weeks later and just, yeah, more nourished and all of that. That's yeah. Yeah. But, but those are things you don't think of. Like, sorry, did I scare you? When you are pregnant, you're like, Ooh, labor. I got, at least I was, I was obsessed with labor. Some people get really obsessed with breastfeeding. Some people get, nobody tries to think about how they can prepare themselves for postpartum because I don't know, you have a baby and then you have a baby, but like the hormonal shifts and like the mommy brain and everything that's going on, you don't even know it's coming. And so that's why I think stuff like this is so important to like educate and be like, yeah, at the very least, hook yourself up with some meals that are ready to go and try and just rest as much as you can. I tell moms that um, we're not used to having a restful lifestyle Mm. because it's like, like lazy. We're used to, you know, being busy all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so prepare your mind psychologically. I have a whole, like creating a restful lifestyle. It's Mm. a lifestyle resting. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Amazing. I feel like we got into all the things we wanted to get into and you are amazing. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom and all of it. Like you have all that wisdom from working with these, all of these women and seeing them firsthand. Like, so I just am so grateful that you were willing to chat with me and share all of that on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having this podcast and helping women to really empower themselves. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share with somebody you think would love. And I would be so honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment and rating below so I can know what you guys are digging, what you want more of, just connect with you a little better. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.